welcome to the Clash Act podcast. But first, we're going to take a word from our sponsors, Morrissey Motors. Hello, Martin here from Morrissey Motors, Peugeot Kilkenny. We have the full range of environmentally friendly, award-winning vehicles in petrol, diesel, hybrid and electric. Our 208, 3008 and 508 have all won Car of the Year. Our 5008 seven-seater has won SUV of the Year. And not forgetting Ireland's best-selling commercial, the award-winning Partner Van. That's five in a row, Martin. It is, Brian. That's impressive. Contact the lads in Morrissey Motors, Waterford Road, Kilkenny, today. And you're very welcome to this week's edition of the Clash Act podcast, where I'm delighted to be joined by former referee, GA referee, of course, All-Ireland final referee on numerous occasions, Mr. Brian Gavin. Brian, thanks a million for taking my call this evening. My pleasure, Eddie. My pleasure. Brian, we're going to dive straight into it. Um, it's like, what a time to be alive and what a, what a time to be from Offaly. Um, Offaly rising. We had Carlo rising down this way a number of years ago, but... Offaly's on a, on, a, on a major upward trajectory over the last couple of years. Yeah, um, huge pride and passion went to our under-20 footballers at the weekend uh, with their All-Ireland victory. And I suppose uh, two weeks ago, you know, we, we won the Christie ring as well. And, you know, while it's a pity to see us down there, we had to go and win it and, and get ourselves back into the Joe McDonough. And we've qualified for Division 1 in the National Hurling League. So, look... We slipped to a, a very uh, low ebb a few years ago, but we're look, gradually, bit by bit, we're getting back uh, on our feet. And I suppose the faithful seeds has been a huge asset, our centre of excellence. And uh, I suppose all the people with the foresight to, to, to go and build that and have it, that is probably one of the main driving reasons uh, of what we have. So look, uh, we're on the up a little bit, but we're not getting carried away. We definitely celebrated last Sunday. Uh, we had huge, huge numbers in Crow Park and we were very lucky we were very lucky that the Tyrone game wasn't played so a lot of people could get to the game so yeah it's a, it's a fine two or three weeks in Offaly and it's it's the first time we got to celebrate in a long number of years so it's 21 years since we're in the Ireland final so we'll definitely take last Sunday and congratulate the boys they were, they were excellent on the day and like I, I know you're saying the centre of excellence and, 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 and the money that would have been put into that but there just seems to be a real buzz around Offaly in you know I know Covid times are making it really difficult for us all but like I'm a Westmead man myself and you know I'd, I'd, I'd keep a, a strong eye when I was growing up it was always us watching Offaly in the hurling and we used to be very excited to watch the Offaly teams back then and even in the football as well they were they were very competitive but I notice when I go back home now there's there's an actual bit of a buzz there's a bit of momentum being built in Offaly you know and obviously last Sunday really kind of highlighted it, you could see the number of people in Offaly that went to Crow Park and, and were really starved of that success. But are, are you feeling that yourself in Offaly and Clara, are you feeling that kind of a, a real rise coming with all of Offaly GEA at the moment? Well, I suppose there's two ways of looking at it, Eddie. You know, we were very disappointed where we had slipped it, both in hurling and football. And, you know, the standards where they had, you know, because we were just talking about going to Crow Park last Sunday, myself and the lads in the car, like in the 90s, you know, especially maybe 94, 95, 6 and 7 and 8 in particular, nearly every Sunday we'd be in Crow Park, either hurling or football. You know, Leinster semi-finals, finals, both hurling and football, National Football League finals, National Hurling League finals and All-Ireland semi-finals. Finals. And I'd say we took it for granted, you know, and we took our foot off the pedal, uh, so to speak. And I suppose in, in a lot of areas, schools and coaching, and I suppose modern society it's very hard to get uh, the workload to be done in clubs, what needs to be done, you know. So um, 
I suppose what we've done an awfully is sat down and, and had a good look at our club structures and tried to put a little bit of work in there. And we've some GPOs at the moment, maybe two. We hope to get another six. Plus we have three full times as well. So if we can get off to 11, you know, to cover our schools and our clubs, that's where we aim the work to be done to get back to the really top. Now, as I said to you earlier, we, we've started the progress and we're maybe a foot on the ladder. We've probably another four or five steps to go. But look, we're delighted to get back. And as you said, look, the buzz around the last three or four weeks, like I've, I've grand, or I'm not going to say grandchildren, thankfully, not that whole. I have nieces and uh, nephews who went to that game last week, eight, nine, 10, 11 years of age. And then we had other people, 18, 19, 20 years of age, never in Crow Park, never even seen the likes of it. I think this will give them a great lift. And, and that's why I think the buzz is out there and the appetite to support Offaly. No, I definitely agree with it. And then one of your own, uh, Clara's sons there, getting involved with the GA. He's always been, he's coming from a very strong GA family anyway, but he's always been very vocal in his support of, of Offaly GA, Mr. Shane Lowry. He's come in as a, a kind of a patron with, with Offaly GA. That must be brilliant for, for, for everybody in Offaly in particular for people in Clara they must be very proud to see not only his exploits on the pitch but the fact that he doesn't forget where his roots and, and, and his GEA background himself Yeah and I suppose like Shane growing up he, he started with an All-Ireland medal winner and you know his uncles you know had all won All-Ireland medals and like you know you're you're nearly born into it so naturally enough from day one Shane Lowry had a huge passion of GEA He'd never miss going to a match with, he, with his father, uh, even though Brendan was playing with Fabian, who we would have having a very strong rivalry at the time. But when Clara was playing, Shane would be shouting for Clara, and he, he was actually the mascot uh, on one of the senior county championships that we won. Shane, there's a lovely photo of him there. So, look, I suppose it's bred into Shane, his love for GA. Uh, he didn't really take off at the GA himself. He, he probably wasn't going to be a huge star. But at under 14 or 12, he was as good as free takers you'd ever see out there. He just had that natural ability to take frees. But a very likeable fella. And then took into the love of golf. And we all know where that's after taking him, which is just to the top of his game and top of the world at some events. So, look, he's a huge ambassador, not alone for Clara, but for Offaly. And, you know, when Michael Dignan contacted him, and I suppose he contacted, contacted Michael as well, you know, he wanted to do something like, something similar like JP and Limerick, obviously not to the volume maybe JP would do, but this should show a bit of support. And I think that has um, that has snowballed. And, uh, you know, we were after getting, like I'm only just reading today on Twitter, the the, the guys in Dublin, <clears throat> all the business people in Dublin that are from Offaly are coming together now and running a golf classic for the Offaly County Board to help them out as well. So we're going to see huge positive uh, results from the lads we in last week and Shane Lowry coming aboard so it looks like we're, we have our, we're back in the game Yeah and it was like I, I watched the game last Sunday um, against Roscommon and like in fairness to Offaly I know for an Offaly fan watching the game it was probably nerve wracking I kind of never thought I know you were on cold commentary duty with Midlands Radio but I thought Offaly were in control for most of the game you know the, the concession of the goal in the, in the second half maybe made it a little bit tighter than you'd like but it was a very polished performance by the lads yeah, and I suppose a little bit of background for, for your listeners, uh, Eddie. Like, we started off again Wicklow or Wexford down in round one, and, you know, we were four or five points up, and Wexford came back and got 1-1 one, one, late on, and we just held on by a pint. But then for the, the, the next round again, Westmead, um, the semi-final again, Westmead, we introduced a few of our minors who were in the 2020 final, which was only played, uh, you know, maybe 
a week before that under-20 game. So we introduced three or four of them, and they made a colossal difference to the team with their pace and their natural football and ability. And John Furlong is one, you know, a, a grandson of the great Martin Furlong, who said that penalty again, Kerry in 82. And then we have Cormac Egan, as everyone is talking about, with the mullet, light and pace. You know, um, we had another Tom Highland, who slotted in at full back, and also Keith O'Neill, who set up the goal last Sunday. So them four minors gave that team a huge lift. We beat Westmead by two points, but it could have been five or six. And then we beat the Dubs, I suppose. And a huge stat from that game, while we let in three goals, Dublin got their last point in the 12th minute in that game. So we knew defensively we were very well set up, and we knew we'd pace. You know, we, we won by three or four points that night in Dublin. It could be six or seven. We probably didn't know what to expect again, Cork, but again, the lads put on some performance. So every game, this team improved, improved, and improved. And in the final, you know, I, it's, it, the brand of football they were playing, I think, caught everyone. The pace and the scores, and none of this going back to a goalkeeper assisting across the pitch. And I taught the under-20 championship. Thank God I was alive to be at them, never mind commentate on them. They were just fantastic games and excellent football from, from all the teams that was in it. Yeah, definitely, and I think Ross Common deserve good credit as well for for the style of play that they were playing. It was a, it was really an exciting All Ireland final, and, and and football unfortunately has become extremely tactical. And even you take the Mayo uh, Dublin game uh, last week in, in in the semis as a, as a spectacle. I wouldn't have said it was anything like it. I think it went to extra time, fair enough, and there was a bit of excitement because Mayo got the win over the line. But as a as a contest, actually watch and take all of that out of it. The the, the, the football played in the Offaly Ross Common game was far more exciting for for a neutral supporter to sit down. It was just great to see two teams thrown off the shackles and just going at it. Exactly, and I, and I think there's no really there's no really high morals with the managers. It's over under twenties. I I think the managers in senior football uh, games and over teams, you know, I won't say it's all about them. Don't get me wrong, but it's nearly they're trying to keep the score as low as they can or win at all costs and it's not enjoyable and some of the games are very hard to look at. In saying that, you will get the odd couple of games that are really good but like the standard in the Mayo Dublin game really was poor enough the other night. Now I know it was, we had a couple of showers and it was raining at times but the standard and the ball handling as you said compared to the under 20s and for people to watch the game Saturday night and Sunday I said it was no comparison football wise but in saying that Obviously, the pressure would be really huge at senior inter counties, but I have to say, the under twenty championship this year was was a joy to watch. No, and I, I I would agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I, I I got some kick out of a lot of the games this year in that championship. Um, to be fair, just just on your own career, I I said I'd hit you with this one at the very start. You said it was twenty one years since since Offaly won in All Ireland. Um, you know, it's a good gap between drinks, but in the space of that gap, uh, Brian, I don't know if anyone said this to you, but. You were lighting it up in the refereeing world, and and I, I'm wondering has anyone has anyone noticed the association that when you retired from refereeing, Offaly started winning all Ireland's again? I don't know how to bring you back down to earth very quickly. That's something <laughs> I know. Um, uh, yeah, look, I I was really really lucky Eddie with my career. To be honest with you, um, I sort of fell into refereeing nearly accidentally. You know, with a challenge match in our own game, and naturally one or two people different things a snowball from there, but. I was very young when I took up refereeing, maybe around 1920, and I suppose that was the key that it took me, you know, within three or four years, I, I'd reft the county senior football final between Road and Edenberry, which would be huge rivalry. And the following year, then at the age of 24, I'd done the senior hurling final. 
So within three or four years, I nearly two senior finals done both hurling and football. So um, I was on the right path straight away. And, you know, naturally enough then, you escalated to Leinster, the panel there, and you do minor finals and then so on, and then you eventually go on to the national panel. But I was very lucky with my career. I did that. I started at the right age and I got the breaks probably at the right time. Even though in the middle of my career, I had a little setback and we might touch about on it later on. So look, I, I have to say overall, I, I was very, very happy with my refereeing career. And and, and just, just on your on your career, like you, you know, there's not that many referees can actually say it. Like you've refereed a minor All-Ireland final, an under-21 All-Ireland final, multiple senior All-Ireland finals. I mean, when you look back on it now that you've retired, you must be very proud of, you know, the longevity of the career that you've had, but also, you know, the level that you've gotten to in it. Like, I mean, it, it's without question, and, I, and I'm not saying this to, to be you know, blowing smoke up your butt or anything like that, but you'd be regarded as one of the best referees, uh, you know, of a generation in hurling, and that must give you great pride. I suppose it's only when, you maybe like yourself or wherever I go and people say that to me, you know, it hits and when I retired, you know, like, I, I got a letter of Eddie Care, like, and, you know, the likes of Anthony Daly and Eddie Brennan, different people sending me messages. It sort of hit when I did decide to, to leave that, you know, I probably you know, refereed four All-Ireland finals and it went pretty well for me, except maybe for one or two decisions in one of them. But so, you know, to get to that level and to walk out onto Crow Park and there's 82,300 and your brother's an umpire and your father's down the other end, you know, it's a great sense of pride and especially first one in 2011, you know, because I've been a minor and an under-21 and I suppose, look, while I loved refereeing Eddie, I, I like to socialise that time in, we'd say, 06, 07, 08, before the Kelsey crash. You know, I, I would have liked, like anyone, to go for a meal and a few drinks at the weekend and stuff like that. And I probably wouldn't have taken refereeing fitness-wise as serious as other lads. But I probably, the one thing that saved me, I had a natural ability probably to referee and I could make decisions and get them correct most days. And, and I suppose that's what saved me. So I probably paid the price for that in one year that, uh, I didn't turn up to a meeting that long. Callaway Races was on, actually. So, um, Crow Park didn't look at me too likely for not going to the meeting. And I stayed in Galway Races, naturally enough, for the week. The meeting was about Wednesday night, but I wasn't coming home uh, from Galway Wednesday night. And the Galway player had to be on and ladies there the next day. So, look, I paid the price there for a year or two. Crow Park sort of put the shackles on me and punished me. And, you know, it was probably the kick in the arse I deserved. And then after that, then I got my breakthrough, you know. Yeah, and I just want to bring you back to your 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 first All Ireland final in two thousand and eleven. If if I'm not mistaken, you know that that game could have ended quite quickly for you, Tommy Welch. Um, is that the day he nearly decapitated you there in the, on the pitch? That's it. Yeah, <laughs> and like I always said to people, and I used to go to different clubs and maybe be advising them rules and and maybe advising referees. You know, always try and mark another square inside the main pitch for yourself refereeing don't get too inside the 20 metre line and don't get over too near the sideline because you'll get caught in when the ball breaks away and, and it's moved down the far side of the field whatever so but that day of course my first all Ireland, I, I went down and there was a bit of shoving and pushing with five or six players and I went into the middle of it and without even knowing anything I just looked down at the grass and it was it was getting red as the blood was oozing from my nose so look I got a nice little tip there and you know as, as we all know the doctors come in uh, no one knew who to come in. Very suddenly, need a doctor coming in for a referee. So, uh, Tig from Kilkenny, and I'm not sure of the the temporary doctor, but both of them came in and helped me. And they said, "Come on out to the line, we patch up." And I said, 
trying to have player, you know. So I, I wasn't going off, in other words, and, you know, Barry Kelly was there ready to be standby referee, but I was worried because I do all my breathing when I'm refereeing games through the nose and the bites have my nose blocked up to stop the breathing. So I got to half time and we got that sorted. So I was very, very lucky, very, very lucky to finish that game, yeah. And I'd say if I was on the sideline, like Brian would be a, a, a Riley man, he'd, he'd, he'd know the game well. But if I seen a referee getting a smack and uh, I was on the line, I can be sure I'd be firing my doctor out quick anyway uh, to try and steal any, <laughs> any advantage I might get, you know. And I'd be reminding you this is the Kilkenny doctor. But I, I just want to ask you, you know, the incident is in itself, I think it's well documented that Tommy was very lucky he connected with you and not his intended target or his, his All-Ireland final would have ended fairly quickly and um, you probably saved him from a red card but you know that was your first All-Ireland final but there was this kind of a tag thrown on you that you were Kilkenny's favourite ref um, I'm sure that's something you've heard referenced before that when, when All-Ireland finals were docked out and the scene Kilkenny in it if, if, if Brian Gavin was appointed as the referee straight away Tipperary would start uh, this isn't right that a Leinster referee has been appointed did, did any of that play on your own mind? Not necessarily and I, I used to have that I had it with a Tipperary man one time we know he, he's a good friend enough and you know I'm sure you Sue with Kilkenny you know but at that time Kilkenny was nearly beating everyone it didn't, it didn't matter who was refereeing you know they had that team that time you know and the only dangers to them was maybe Cork and Nigeria or Tipperary like Tipperary caught them a few years but I'd say Kilkenny probably that time won 80-85% of their matches for that period of time I was going through. And look, I was known, you know, to let the game flow. And I remember one day doing a game, I think it was Galway and someone in the Leinster Championship and, and landed on, oh, you've done a great job in that game. You let it flow. And I probably never blew as many frees. I just had that name of letting the game go and play it, develop because... I used to have conversations with former awfully hurlers and we'd be talking about refereeing and talking about games and people were paying 25, 30 euro to go to matches and the last thing they wanted to see was a referee blowing a whistle the whole time. So I sort of listened to this going on and I got a style going and maybe letting the advantage go and letting the play develop and, you know, there'd be some great scores and I got a name of, of you know, let it flow and stuff like that. So, look, I, I was happy enough the way it went and, and I suppose later in life, and maybe one of the reasons I packed it in, you know, Crow Park wanted to tighten it up a bit and, you know, my style wasn't suiting him as well. They didn't want as much going as maybe I was letting it go, but now we're nearly back to square one, it's, you know, in this year's championship, you know, there's a lot going. So it depends on who's over refereeing and what way it's going at the time, you know. And just just as a referee, like, because I know you're a massive GEA fan and you're you're a big football fan and a hurling fan as well, but, like, when you're refereeing these big battles, whether it's Galway against Wexford or it's Cork against Tip or whoever's playing... Like, are you able to enjoy the game in the moment there when you're refereeing it? Are you able to take it in? Jeez, that was a great goal, or that's a savage point. Or can you can you actually enjoy it even though you're you're in the middle of the battle yourself? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And when you see a lad getting a score from maybe the sideline, sixty yards out, or some a great hook, I'll never forget the hook George Bain and Seamus Callan. You nearly get goosebumps. You know, like he was ready to pull the trigger. You know, that would have been a certain goal. You know, plays like that, incidents like that. You know, Bubble Dwyer's goal against Kenny in 2016, I had an advantage and he rounded a corner back and came in and stuck it in the net. Jeez, you say to yourself, that's some hurling, you know, and you're part of it. And then there's other games that he, it's in the melting pot, it's maybe it's raining and it's a draw match and there's pulling and dragging, it's a messy game going on. And you say to yourself with four or five minutes to go, I'd rather be anywhere about here I am here now today because 
no matter what decision I make here now in the last four or five minutes, that's the decision everyone's going to be talking about at the end, not the all the decisions I've made in the first 65. So there is a flip side to it, but I, from my point of view on you, I know the referees might differ. I, I enjoy the majority of the games I referee because naturally enough, I love hurling and I love to see a tough, hard and fair hurling. And just because just you touch on it, and I know you, you hear all these conspiracies. If you tell me you haven't heard it, I'm going to tell you this is the first lie you've told me so far. But a game is a point in it couple of minutes to go and you hear this you know all the GEA playing for the draw playing for the draw but when you're in the last minute or two of an All-Ireland final in a referee's head if the game is in the melting pot and the draw like are you trying your best you know you know in your head are you thinking jeez I don't want to give away a soft free here now or I don't want to you know put it on a plate for somebody let them earn it like is that something that plays in your mind or do you just have to referee it as it is and forget that it's the last minute of the game and not the first minute no, you'd you'd have to referee as it is. Um, naturally enough, in any massive game, and there's a point in it near the end, you're probably hoping as a referee, you know, both these teams are after giving everything to nearly deserve a draw. That doesn't mean that your job to to give it on its vote because it's maybe twenty seconds extra played in the car clear game. But when I done the twenty thirteen first game before Donald or Donovan got the equaliser, but I actually the Cork delayed the line ball purposely. And I actually said to Johnny Ryan over the earpiece, you know, like, I'll be adding on a bit here. And if Cork probably had to keep that ball and play, they would have been right. He actually took the sideline cut and went wide. And I played on in two seconds. And everyone knows what happened. Donald O'Donovan got the equaliser. And Claire won the replay with Shane O'Donnell's three goals. So, look, it would play in your mind that you'd hate to see any team losing in a really tight, high-profile game. The four teams are after giving it everything. But... Sometimes that's the way it goes, you know, and even Barry Kelly's decision in 2014, if that ball went over the bar, the last minute free, you know, uh, only for a Hawkeye interview, you know, that would have been tough on Barry as well because Kenny people would have been fuming, you know. Yeah, I, I, I actually interviewed Hoagie a couple of weeks back and <laughs> we were talking about it and I actually said his discipline, I don't know, we're not going to question Barry's decision, but it, as you can imagine, we both, myself and Brian Hogan had agreed it wasn't free, <laughs> but... You know, he. I had asked Ogie about his his attitude and his reaction. He said he, his his initial reaction was get back into position in case they had a quick free. Whereas I would have probably turned around and said to the referee, "Are you blind or something?" The free would have been brought forward, and and Tipperary would have won the All Ireland. Simple as because I mean it was a millimeter wide, so that ten yards would have made a big difference. But obviously Barry calls it as he sees it. But just just back to yourself and the referee inside of it. Like you've refereed some of the biggest rivalries in hurling, like. You know, the Kenny Tip rivalry in that period was, was, was massive and you've refereed a number of them games. Like, if you were ranking for yourself the big rivalries that you've refereed, like, where would they rank in it? Like, the the Kenny Tip rivalry, like, what was that like for yourself and is there rivalries bigger that you've felt in games, you know? I definitely wouldn't have uh, refereed any other rivalry bigger than Tipperary and Kilkenny. Um, no, they were ferocious games and... You know, one game got out of control in Crow Park. I think Colin McAllister was left from Cork. I think that was the day Larry decided to follow Tommy around the place. And that game got out of control a bit. And it led to, you know, there was a league game, I think, the following year there. And even think JJ Delaney and a, I think it could have been Larry or Seamus Callan. They're boxing each other with helmets on. So, you know, there was no rivalry like the Kenny Tipperary rivalry. And I suppose the biggest... One I've refereed was that qualifier 2013 down in Nolan Park when both teams had been knocked out of their own provincial championship. And um, it was a warm Saturday evening in Nolan Park. You know, the match at seven and people in the stand from five, half five. 
and you know the atmosphere that day. Now it wasn't a brilliant match, but the tension and the atmosphere, you know, and all the supporters that was in that venue were diehard GA people, you know, the type of way they weren't, you know, well I got a ticket and I'll go to the match. These were handed out to clubs and, you know, the the tension that was there that night, you could hear a pin drop and, you know, tip was going well until Larry Corbin had to go off and then Henry came on with ten minutes to go and the stand nearly erupted. So no, there was nothing. I never witnessed anything like the tip to Kenny Rivalry anyway. I suppose Cork and or Clare and Limerick to a little bit of an extent, but nothing like tip and uh, to Kenny. And, and and for you yourself, when you're in when you're in in that type of a cauldron, like is is it all about keeping a lid on that? Like let them go out and let them hurl, but then you have to try and you know just stop it from boiling over. Like I mean, that's the, the easiest way to put it. Like that's part of your job. Yeah, referee it, but at the same time cut out that niggle like is that something you have to really focus on when you're going getting prepared for that match well I suppose I was I had never reffed a Leinster hurling final would you believe and that year in 13 I was penciled in for the Galway Dublin game and next thing this qualifier came up with the Kenny and Tip and they took me out of the Leinster senior hurling final and they put me into that one um, and Pat, Pat McEnany who was chairman at the referees at the time who was excellent chairman um, rang me and um he says, Gavin, he always called me Gavin. Gavin, he says, we want you for that. He says, I want you when you're top. So I was thinking about this game the whole week and it was up for it. And I'll never forget, you know, of all the games I've ever refereed, I was really pumped up for that one. And I remember after 10 or 12 minutes, a little bit of a skirmish was ready to start and I just stepped in and I pushed Owen Larkin to one side and I pushed, I think it was James Woodlock to another side and that was it. In other words, Lance, you're not having the maggot here today, I'm in charge and that's it and we're going to hurl and it's going to be hard and fair and there's no going to be any row. So it wasn't the right thing to do to go and push any player but it's the hardest stall and you know, it's probably one of my finest performances of refereeing with that evening in, in Northern Park. Um, when you're sitting down now and you're chatting it out with your mates and you're having a pint in the pub or you're at the Galway races and someone says to you, you know, what was... What's the match that defines you? You know, when you look back in your career and say this was the best match I can honestly say I was ever involved in as a referee. You know, what match would you put down as your the day you enjoyed most, or the one you look back on and say that was my favourite game? That one, the worst you're speaking about, as in one of the toughest and probably one of my better performances was was that game. I suppose the other game that you know uh, rings out was the 2016. You know the. Um, it's just a performance that Tipperary put on that day. Um, you know, I think Callan and Bubbles inside and, and I think it was John McGrath, like they gave an exhibition and you had Jackie Terrell springing on the line ready to come in, to, ready to flake someone and tidy up that full back line a bit and Cody never brought him on, you know. And, you, you know, but that, that game in particular for about 50 minutes was up and down and I think I had no yellow card and I had only about 19 frees. I, I think that was one and probably my second best performance, you know, as in as in refereeing. And that time I was really in good shape because I'd put in a huge shift in 2016. You know, I I, I got down to, you know, one of my best weights and my best, you know, running that I would my fitness levels I was ever at. And I was never a huge fast man or anything like that. But that was that was one of my best displays. I think was 2016. You know. And Brian, you said yourself there early in this that you had a setback in the in kind of in the middle of your career. Do you want to talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, like as I said, um, it was I re- I was starting as I said to you, I was young enough starting. And next thing I was thrown into really massive games, 
I think it was 2005, a quarter final with Waterford and Cork, played in Cork Park, 68, 70,000, and this was only a quarter final. And that went well enough. And the following year, then, it was repping the same teams in an Ireland semi final. Could have been actually the other way around. It could have been semi and quarter. But Owen McGrath got through for Waterford at the last minute. Waterford were a pint down. He let fly. Donald Cusick saved it. But he turned around and covered the ball. He wouldn't let anyone play the ball. And I chatted the umpires and I said, he got to cover the ball, lying in the ball, free in, 20 metre free. And he did, and tapped it over the bar. And naturally enough, Cork wasn't happy. And, you know, called a racist for the Monday. And I was down, at, naturally enough, like everyone, having a good time. But every day, I picked up the paper, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I was still in it for, for that decision, and Cork were unhappy. So the meeting was that Wednesday night in Hudson Bay. And as I said to you earlier, I didn't go to it. I said in Galway, and couple of administrators in Co Park held that again me. So obviously I missed out the whole year of 08. On nine, they let me back and I refereed a few games. And then 10, I was on the line for Michael Wadden when the day Larry Corbett, I think, stopped to Kenny's uh, drive for five. So, And then they got me breakthrough. So look, I paid the price for not going to the meeting in Athlone and explaining myself. And probably, you know, look, if you want to referee now, you're going to have to cut yourself on and, you know, Left it a good life and more, more concentrating on the rest. And look, I took it on board and uh, lucky enough. So what I'm really trying to say is, I probably could have gotten a, a couple of other rounds around eight or nine. I might have, and then uh, I might not have gotten as many later on. So you know, there's a flip side to it. And uh, like when you made the decision to step away because I want to kind of touch back on, on, on that setback yourself because as you said yourself you were quite young so I mean the good life is what you should be living when you're young uh, to be fair but like did you feel the support mechanisms were in place for a referee I mean that decision was debatable I mean you, you went in you spoke to your umpires you've done everything right in your opinion you, you called it as you've seen it and that's your job as the referee but did the GEA give the support mechanism to you as a referee or like I, I, I can understand you're saying, right, I should have went to that meeting and explained myself, but did you feel you were getting the support of the GEA or did you feel they were going to throw you under the bus? Um, it's hard to know when you were young enough referee and you were after doing a semi-final and quarter-final, you, they'd be thinking, well, he's one of the next, I wouldn't say a shining light, but one of the next hopes we have of doing in All-Ireland and then they probably felt I let them down. I don't think by the decision. But, you know, maybe not going to the meeting, even though if it was anyone else and they said they were going on a week's holiday, like if you were gone for them, it'd be very hard if they held them again. I think it's because I didn't make my way from Galway that long, which would be only 40 minutes anyway. But, you know, you know um, that time I would have been, you know, when I think back now, you know, probably we might have had training sessions maybe in Leinster once a month or something like that. When I think back now, no way was there enough done for refereeing, as in, in my opinion, and still to this day, we should be training collectively once a week, whether it's regionalized or whatever it is. So I don't think there's enough done that way in preparing us or getting us for championships. You know, at that time, there was no panel of referees. Any one of 20 lads could referee a championship game, and then eventually they came a championship panel. So when I look back, like everything probably in the GA, it was a little bit raw and, you know, run it as it is. To suit whenever or whatever could ha- be going on at the time, but no, when I think back now with the high profile games that was that time, we wouldn't have been doing enough as a referee's body to, to, for the games we were involved in. And and for you yourself, you know, like you started quite young, but then you retired quite young too, because you know, 
now reading different articles and reading stuff you've written yourself in the examiner and that you know you just said you weren't enjoying it anymore um, you felt the fitness levels that were required for the game it was speeding up and it was becoming increasingly difficult for you yourself I know you you'd issued the, 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 the bleep test which I think is, I, I was actually quite surprised when I was reading you know that this was an assessment that was being used for deciding whether a referee could referee a game was his result on a fitness test um, you know the bleep test and and just in general, that decision when you decided, look, I'm, I'm I'm stepping away. Like, what was the collective thought in your mind? Like, you know, there, there was obviously a series of things that made you step away from the game. Yeah, no, the enjoyment was gone, and I, I think when Pat McEnany left as chairman, um, he had a great understanding of referees because he was only after finishing refereeing himself, and he knew, you know, when we'd go back and video clips, he'd know the meet, the mood of the meeting. And I don't think some of the people after that was in charge of it got the mood of the meetings or sensed the frustrations that was out there with referees that was either not getting a chance or getting a chance and not taking it. And maybe, you know, a meeting in Co Park, there could be 16 or 20 referees and 12 of them said yellow card and 8 said red. And we had much consistency. And we had lads then that was afraid to talk and afraid to speak in case it cost them a game. And, you know, and then we had this fitness test. So there was lads whinging in the background that some lads weren't getting the pass in the fitness test and still getting matches and then when we didn't pass the test and they got the matches they didn't do a great job in them so they got their chances and didn't take them so I wasn't you know like a lot of referees we lost three or four referees and the enjoyment was going over and you know obviously the pressure was coming on referees as well now that time with the Sunday game and the camera angles and the scrutiny and everything that goes with it. So, you know, um, I just, I wasn't enjoying it. And there's a few other lads I know well wasn't enjoying it. And I, I think that's what's lacking now, even in, in the modern group of referees, both in hurling football. I, I, you know, if you were to get them one-on-one -on -one and ask them, are they enjoying it? I, I know what the answer would be with a lot of them. And just because this is a, an interesting point that you bring up. And it's like, I, I spoke to... Uh, David Goff a couple of months back um, about his own profile refereeing games and I've spoken to a number of, 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 of GEA managers high profile managers as well and you know you find the managers and the players will have a, a boot to stick into a referee quite regularly without you know some of them will name names some of them won't and then when you speak to the refs and one of the things that I always come back to myself and it's just a personal thing is the over analysing of the Sunday games on referees performances so you get ex-players and ex-managers and they sit on a panel and dissect three or four refereeing decisions that somebody has made in a split second with one angle in front of 85,000 people. He's made that decision, but yet this panel will go and cut him to shreds. And I've, I've asked many times, is it not time that, that RTE turn around and say, right, OK, we're going to bring in Brian Gavin and he's going to actually represent the referees and he's going to show us this is the angle the referee was looking at. This is what he has seen and this is why that decision was made. Now, if the referee makes the wrong call, so be it because if a player makes the wrong call, we point it out. But I think referees are just kind of fed to the wolves here on the Sunday game quite regularly. Yeah, it seems to be a handy way out and, you know, I, I'd always debate the referees before myself, even as a refereeing group and a referee and if we were going up to Crow Park in the meeting and there was four or five of us in the car, all refereed, we'd be talking about the games of the weekend and how such a lad got on and what he should have done and what he didn't do. But you take 2012, 2013 and 14, there was three draws in a row in the All-Ireland Hurling Championship in particular. So obviously RT then had to fill space that night because naturally there wasn't the winning hotel banquet and maybe all the drama that goes with that man of the match and all that. 
And you know, at that time, I think it was Barry Kelly twice and myself, that they really started to zone in on nearly all the decisions you made. And, you know, I'll never forget Sherlock Mann coming on, spouting absolutely garbage on the 2013 programme about that he didn't think I was up for the match or I don't know whether he wanted me fist pumping the crowd or what. I don't know what he wanted, but he, he tried to say I wasn't up for the game and stuff like that. And maybe it was Daily Fitz after telling him to say something. I don't know what it was, but we were scrutinised way too much. And I suppose to this day it is, and I obviously do a piece in the examiner and I give me honest assessment on the referee's performance. Sometimes it's very good. Sometimes it's hard to read and it's, it's tough, but that's the role I've been given. But I think in the Sunday game, not to have a representation at least every two weeks or a month from a referee's point of view. And it goes back to communication. Like, they might print the rules on a programme here and there, but for many people who are reading, I think that people sit down and look at the Sunday game and there's someone there explaining the rules, both in hurling and football, every two weeks or three weeks for a few minutes or debate the big call from a referee's point of view. I think it'd be wonderful. And I suppose the one man years ago used to have a radio programme used to have a Sunday evening people remember Father Gardner from Tipperary used to come in and explain the referee's decisions he'd talk to the referee after the game and people understood and welcomed that but now for some reason it's just blank uh, and I don't know why it is now they tell me in the last couple of weeks Eddie that I, I think uh, RT commentators can hear the communication that's going on with referees at the moment and that's a little bit tricky until you, you know, to see who's listening in RT or what people can hear. So, look, it's changing all the time, but at the moment, there's nothing much done to say to people, these are the rules, this is from a referee's point of view. That's why he done it. That's why he didn't do it. You know that type of way. Yeah, but, like, it's it's, it's something, like, RT, you know, they have to take a bit of responsibility here. I mean, I know you're doing, you know, co-commentating there with, with Midlands Radio 3, and... You know, you're conscious of what you're saying on air, and and I know I I know I do it myself with with KCLR, and and I genuinely would be conscious that someone's mum or dad or granny or granddad or, or brother or sister or kids are are listening in to what I'm saying, and I I <coughs> pardon me, I purposely would never try and criticise someone, and that that's from the referees right down to the players. If there's a bad tackle, I'll call it as it is, but I won't bastardise the person involved in it. But I just can't understand when I watch Sky Sports, I see. I think David Ellery does it quite a bit on Sky Sports now, where on a Sunday morning or on a Monday morning he'll look back on the big decisions that were made in the Premiership at the weekend. Now I don't 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 think to get everything right in the Premiership either, but he does look back on the big decisions. They have the on-field video footage to show you where the referee is standing and what he can see, and then he explains this is what's happened and this is why that decision was come to. But RTE, I don't know if there's a if there's a willingness in it. Will it will it not get them the headlines because, you know, for somebody like. Sherlock Nant, Davy Fitz, you know, and it, it, like even like in fairness to Derek McGrath, I think Derek's very careful and he's 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 very clinical in what he says and he tries to be guarded in it. But a lot of them just come in and, and, and cut referees in half, and it could be very very simple for RT to just say right, someone like yourself, six minutes there, come in every other week. If there's a big referee decision, we we radio you. We want you to explain what's happened there, and I'm sure to be a referee up for that, would there? I'd say absolutely. Now, the, the flip side of that, Eddie, could be that maybe Crow Park or the referee's body won't allow someone to go on to television or maybe RT have asked. We don't know that. And that's the thing we'd probably have to find out too. I've done bits of programmes and even the programme they had on the All-Ireland Final, people could hear further hard in that time with Galway and Waterford. You know, that came across so well. And you'd say to yourself, wouldn't well, you think to do a lot more of that? 
and it make a referee's life a lot easier. You know, it's, he could be heard maybe making his decisions in the programme later on or a documentary or before the championship starts, have a referee on and go through things for 20 minutes and hurling a football. So if it's a team that Crow Park are denying RTE, you know, if they want to do that, that'd be disappointing because from their own benefit. And, you know, sometimes Crow Park, through social media, Facebook, Twitter, to have a referee on and to speak about the rules for a few minutes, but not that many people hear it. You know, people need to hear it on the television of a Sunday night and the Sunday game, and that's where we need to get, you know, uh, the referee's point across, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, you're not reinventing the wheel here. I mean, you can go to rugby matches now and you can get your little earpiece to put in and listen to the, the match officials discussing what's happening with them on the field and you can see the on-the-field decisions. That's something that's happened in rugby since I was young. I mean, I remember going to games and being asked, did you want the headset with your programme going in? Um, maybe that's a little bit too far, but the starter in a racetrack now, I mean, Paddy Graffins and the likes of these fellas, you can hear them if you want to. It's there, they're mic'd up and, and it's there for the people to hear the starter starting a race. So if it's questioned that it's a poor start, that you know, the, the audio footage is, is, is there for everyone to hear. But I don't know if it is, and I'm not blanking RTE or blaming RTE and I'm not blaming the GEA but I just think for me I can't understand it maybe it is something that the GEA have asked them not to do but I, I think it's, it's, it's yeah it's, it, like it is a communication issue isn't it that's the bottom line and that's where it, it fell down you know it's communication and it has fell down uh, but the main platform for that communication would be the Sunday game because the amount of people that look at that and talk about it on the Monday you know that is the platform to get a, to get our message across uh, definitely. Before we go on to this year's uh, All Ireland final, obviously it's on on this weekend. Uh, you know, I, I read your article, you know, regularly enough in, in the Examiner, and I, I was actually looking forward to reading your article the morning after the decision uh, James Owens would have made very early in the season. To be fair, with the the new black card, you know, penalty situation, and I wondered how would you handle that because. You know, it wasn't something that you could gloss over. It was, you know, in my eyes, it was a poor decision. And I and I hoped, that you, you know, you'd call it as you've seen it. And I, and I wouldn't like to see anyone flowering things up to... And in fairness to you, you know, when I read the article, I thought you were very fair in your assessment for the article. But your big concern was that we were in, we were in dire trouble here if, if this is how referees were going to be refereeing games in this year's championship. You know, that was the case at the time. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the fallout from that decision, you know, um, there was probably one more, one more going to happen. I'm looking up at Fergal Horgan in one of the games he left, uh, there was a goal scored. So, like, the rule was brought in, like, we all saw the incident the year before, you know, dragging the lad down to the ground when he's around the edge of the D, as we call it, and pulling him down to the ground. And that's what that rule, in my opinion, would have been brought in, you know, cynical play when there was a clear goal scoring opportunity or a goal scoring like people are trying to be technical now on social media and different well what's a clear goal score like let's call it bad it's black and white people and a good referee will know whether it's a goal scoring opportunity there's no way that incident down in the Gaelic grounds was a goal scoring opportunity and for the referees to even talk about that or discuss it on the couple of weeks before that happened and agree to it that was, I found that very hard to believe, especially with some of the lads that would have been in the room. And and that's what I was saying. And I was saying, for the people that rule and let it go ahead, that you're out near the side and that's the goal's going. There's no way, like that was a yellow card all day, or else play the advantage, come back for the free then if it didn't accrue, and then get the yellow card. So 
I, I think in fairness to refereeing since that incident, you know, we've seen one or two uh, we've seen one or two incidents that Dr. Cost and referees a chance to ref another in semi final final. Like I think Paul Dwyer would have been in a decent position if he'd have sent off Aaron Galan. I, I think uh, John Keenan if he had a few more frees would have been in a, a chance. You know, so it's came back to Fergal Horgan and he's sort of licking his lips. Well all these other lads have got chances and they didn't take them. But going back to the James Owens one, like that cost him he got one more game after that. But realistically, that caught him any chance of refing a Muller and finding this year, that decision. I, I, I couldn't agree more with... You, you know, I, I, I had the misfortune of trying to defend that decision. I do a full-time show on a Monday night and I, I tried to defend that decision and it was Eddie Kerr that um, tore me to pieces. I'll, I'll know better uh, the next day than to, to suggest Eddie Kerr that he was applying the rules. Um, I was explaining that the rules were wrong. And this is where I'm going to come to on that. That decision was made you think it's wrong. Eddie Kerr thought it was wrong. Every person that loves Hurling thought that was the wrong decision. James didn't think it was wrong and he thought he was applying the rules as they were given to them. Now, the question I'd ask you is, the referees would then have a meeting pretty soon after that with James Owens. And, like, have did the rules change as a result of James Owens' decision? I think, I think it all really... I suppose that there was a podcast I've done from the Irish Examiner and Fergal Holden was on explaining the rules and the boys in fairness to Mark Landers and um, the chap from Limerick called, what do you call TJ, TJ Ryan. You know, they did quiz him if it happened out near the sideline and the lad was cutting in, would he give it him? Fergal said he would. Now, I don't think in a game in a million years Fergal would. But for some reason, this is the problem here. The rule was brought in and they mentioned it, but I don't think much of the referees committee Back that it was the referees themselves that had a chat and said they would do that and put themselves under huge pressure. Like, it's bad enough being under pressure wrestling a championship game, but there was no, it didn't seem to be any common sense in the referee room themselves if they were going to give a penalty for that. They should have sticken to their, their own guns and said, No, hold on now for a second, that's not a penalty out there. And do what Pat McEnany done when he was chairman. Have a decision on it, you know, and whatever the, the majority is. But we obviously had a few watery fellas in that room that night and didn't speak up and say, hold on now, this is wrong, or I'm not referring to that way. And it should never have come to that. And as I said, it ended up putting pressure on James Owens and other referees, unnecessary pressure that they didn't need. And there was always going to be someone caught with that during the year, wasn't there? There was going to be, there was oh. going to be a first man. <laughs> Yeah, it was nearly like John Coffey walking the green light. There was a good few John Coffey's and we, we had to pick out which one it was and obviously it was James Owens first. And that's why I felt sorry for James Owens because I knew in that referee's room they had agreed this, even though they, I'd say the majority knew it was wrong. They walked out that night, well, it was obviously a Zoom meeting and they left that night saying no one was wrong. And But there was some of them waiting to see who'd fall first. That was the problem. <laughs> this is, it is, it is, and unfortunately for James, it was James. The, the other decision I want to come, come to you, I know you pointed out the Aaron Glan decision earlier in the year, but again, the, the morning after the, the, the semi-final, the, the incident between Peter Casey and Conor Gleeson, I, I, I would take your reading as it, uh, you, know, you know, in fairness to you, you said there was very minimal contact, but there was contact, and it was with the head. So I think... We'd all agree that, you know, from your own take on it and from what you've written in the examiner, if you were referee in that game, you would have sent off Peter Casey. Absolutely. If I got the advice 
from an umpire or a linesman that this man was after going with his head towards an opponent because, you know, it's the one thing you don't do. And I know lads have a helmet on, they're not going to hurt each other. But a headbutt or putting your head in the lad's face, it's not a pretty thing to do. And I know with the spur of the moment from Peter Casey, and he's an excellent record, seemingly on, on, on games in general. He's very seldom he's booked or sent off. But it was a moment of madness. And we've seen down through the years in any sport, a moment of madness will cost his team or whatever. But I, I think he got off on the technicality. And it's what I was talking to you about earlier, uh, the communication that RT and different people can listen into. And whatever communication between the linesman or umpires and John Keenan, that's how Peter Casey got off and led to believe. It wasn't that he's moving the head forward or attempting to strike with the head. That I think he got off on a technicality on advice that was heard over the, the microphone system between the linesman, umpire and referee. Yeah, it is. It like, look, I'm sure you're the same as me and, and, and everybody else. You want to see the best 15s on both teams playing out in All-Ireland final. You don't want to see players missing finals. But yet... I would have to say if I was a Cork person here, I'd be looking at that saying, hold on a second now, this incident happened, everyone's seen it, there was replays there, regardless of how minimal it was, it did happen, and Peter should be suspended for this this weekend's All-Ireland Final. Yeah, um, absolutely, but obviously there's loopholes and you know rules and different things, and you know, it'd be the same as, what was the big incident years ago, with Dermot Connolly eventually got off through the DRA to play in a game, you know, and I'd say Limerick would have bringing it further and further if they had to, you know, if they want. And it'd be the same maybe if you're from, if you're from Westmead, the same thing, Westmead people would do the same, awfully. But look, I think for everyone's sake, if Cork are going to win the All-Ireland, you know, and Peter Casey says they'd be happier. In saying that, Peter Casey is one of about eight forwards that Limerick have. It wouldn't have weakened the team much for Limerick, but personally for Peter Casey, I suppose he's relieved he's playing. But... Um, it was the wrong decision for it to be overturned, but obviously something happened on that communication system that they could get off. Whatever was said, we don't know. But we will find out, though. Yeah, we will, I'm, I'm sure. And just just looking at this weekend's game, I want to look at it from a referee's perspective, um, Brian. Like, you do read it, you do hear it. You know, a lot of people saying about Limerick playing on the edge. Kilkenny were accused of this for years when they were successful and they were flying that they, they played too close to the edge and they were a little bit too aggressive. And, you know, there's been incidents this year, Peter's incident, Aaron Galan earlier in the year. There's been numerous incidents in it. As the referee for the All-Ireland Final, the, like for you yourself, I know you can't tell me exactly what Fergal will do, but do, do you have to just switch off from all of that, you know, ignore the pundits ignore your friends in the street if I meet you in the pub and we're having a pint and Clara and I say to you Jesus your man Galan's rough out you want to keep an eye on him this type do you just have to block all that out or nearly go in become a hermit for four weeks or two weeks before a final uh, you, you can't be and you can't block it out and you know you might be interviewing different people or whoever and be interviewing referees and say oh well I don't read the paper and I'm on social media they do hear it and they are on social media in a roundabout way even if they're not themselves their wives or their friends or their whoever will tell them did you see what such a lad wrote like they pretend they don't hear it or see it of course you do hear it and see it should it affect your refereeing absolutely not because you have a massive job to do and the last thing you want to do is worry about what people are saying or change your refereeing or pick out a fella because some lad said well he's a dirty hurler the one thing about the final this Sunday Eddie is I found Refereeing Cork all down through the years, I've refereed them in several, several matches. 
that they were a grand team to referee. There was never much rougher or tumble or caught. So they always went down and played nice, fast, quick hurling. And, you know, all the games of referee, I wouldn't say they were like challenge matches, but they never brought a huge, uh, we'll say, intensity, or they were never dirty. And I'd say further, um, you know, we'll be looking forward to the game. He knows Limerick are physical enough. He knows Cork probably won't be as physical. So it should be a grand game to referee from a referee's point of view. And it's easy for me sitting here tonight chatting to you about it. But it should be, even though you'll be offered. I think in the deeper further mind, I think he knows very well he, he, this should be one of these, you know, not toughest game. If this was Limerick maybe and uh, Gaul, you know, two massive physical teams, well then you, you really want to be sharp. But I think both these teams are hurled and it might be a difficult game to referee. And I was actually speaking to Fergal just two weeks ago before he got the final. And, um, you know, I got on to him about his semi-final performance two years ago down, I think with the replay, uh, Galway, I'm not sure who they're playing in Torlis, and he made very little effort to referee him. I said, if you ever do that again, you know, if you're only bringing attention to yourself. And he says, look, he took your advice that time, he says in general, because at that time, when you left the semi-final, Eddie, you never got the final. And now it's changed in the last couple of years. And further realised that year, the replay in Torlis, if he'd have bought a that correctly, he would have probably left the final that year. You know, so I don't think he'll slip anymore. And he's the best outer at the moment. And, you know, he, he demanded to have the field for the game and he understands it well. But I don't think it'll be a difficult game to referee the weekend. And if I was to pin you to a prediction on the game, um, what way do you see it going? Well, look, I think both teams, fitness-wise, are on the par. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Corker is fit as limited. Are they physical as limited? Absolutely not. Have they the first touch as limited? Not nowhere, well, I wouldn't say nowhere near, but not as good. So what I'm trying to say is there's no team has the first touch and ball control as that Limerick have at the moment. You know, you see Cork trying to work out the ball the last day, I think, Kenny, you know, fumble an odd ball here, drop an odd ball, give away the last ball for the equalising goal. Like, Limerick will punish all of them things. And, you know, Patrick Collins in goal for, for Cork will have to be very wary that one of these passes to a cornerback or whatever doesn't go astray. And I can see Limerick pushing up a bit. But the bottom line is here, and we'd all love to see a really close game. The bottom line here is Limerick are a physically stronger team than Cork at the moment and are a more skillful uh, stick-work team at the moment, ball control. Uh, I'd say Cork will bridge that gap in the next year or two because, as everyone knows, the 220 titles under. But I think it's just a year too early for Cork and it'd be very hard to look by Limerick winning on Sunday. Yeah, no, no, and it's a fair assessment of where, where everybody is and I think I think I'd, I'd be agreeing with your sentiments there. I think Cork are coming and they're going to be coming for a while. I think they're going to be there. When they get there, they'll be there for a while, but I think it might be a year too early uh, for, for them this year. Um, just before I let you go, and, and, and thank you for being so generous with your time and honest with your answers, um, I always like to kind of finish with a, with a little bit of fun uh, and a bit of crack. So I... I Honest answers is all I all I ask for, and, and, and as best as you can. And if you want to pass on from it, we, we we'll pass on to the next one there. But the, the teams to referee, you've you've just said Cork were a lovely team to referee. Who was a horrible yeah. team to referee? Uh, horrible team to referee. I feel when I started refereeing, Clare were awkward with Frank and Brian Lohan. <laughs> They were mouthy enough because we would have played fair in, in, in the 98 All-Ireland, you know, and, and then games and the 95 and that. And, and let's get me first league game and 
we'd be always looking at St. John coming to the referee giving out and it was a league game where Waterford and Clare it was one of my first league and I caught, I caught Frank coming and the corner of my eye coming over to question me and in no uncertain terms I told Frank before he even said to me where to go and where to go back and uh, but after that, I, I never had much problem. But, but clearly, I think starting out would have been awkward to referee. After that, who was awkward to referee? Um, not really. Most teams were, were grand ideas. Just the, most teams had an odd winger here and there, and maybe a, a, a player appointed to go on to the referee and keep at him. So, no, I wouldn't say any team in general, but a couple of whingy players, all right. And in Kilkenny, who was our biggest winger? Asher Henry would be questioning everything. And <laughs> I'd say to him at times, uh, he'd give out to me one day for giving a free and he was gone. I said, if, uh, I didn't give it, he'd be winking anyway. I said, will you shut your mouth and pour it over the bar? I said, I'd nearly scored myself. So look, that was the crack I had with him as well. And he turned and smiled at me. But Henry would have been uh, to Kenny's man to, to, to argue with the referee just that uh, that was his role, not to have personal again because uh, he's a gentleman off the field. Yeah, I read a quote one day that a county final in Kilkenny or a county semi-final in a club game, Henry got clattered by another county player who had written an autobiography at the time. I can't remember which of the boys it was. That it, I, I'm pretty sure it was Jackie had buried him and he was on the ground and Henry was about to start whinging and he grabbed him by the shoulder and said, Henry, I'll be refereeing this one. And it's, it's, kind of, <laughs> it's, 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 it's in folklore down here that it was done to him. But So, so we'd say Henry was our, our biggest moaner. The, the managers on the line, the dramatics, the, 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 the theatrics that we're seeing a little bit of, Davey is obviously uh, building a career out of it. You know, you see the passion in that. Did, did any of them drive you bonkers when you were trying to referee games? I suppose, look... Me and Davey had our, our role, but I suppose I was able to handle Davey and he didn't like it, you know, and he'd be thinking that I was a bit of a bully, but uh, that was never the case. I, I was just able to handle him and I had great time for him and I think he's done remarkably well in a lot of places that he's went there. He was always... Jerry uh, McCarthy had a good... At that time, I did the free and Jerry McCarthy gave me a hard time for, for, for that time. And uh, who else was there on the line that used to be... No, like, when, when they go down through them... There was never too many. When I was finishing up, I did one or two challenges for Limerick, and I think John Tiley was getting a little bit anime and a little bit over the top. I think he's cooled down a bit since, and I think the modern managers are looking for far too many frees and letting up under the line and it's gone, been a little bit dramatic. Now I, I, I think Liam Cahill is more towards these players, uh, but no, I, 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 I great respect for all the managers because for the simple reason, you know, uh, I was going to deal with them for a few years, so I always try to keep. Uh, cool enough with them because you know, I know I'd have them the next day or the next few weeks after that, you know. But no, apart from maybe David, that was, that was about it in Jerry McCarthy. And do you, you know, Offaly aren't in an All Ireland final this this week. But if Offaly aren't winning the All Ireland, who is there ever a team you want to win the All Ireland? Or are you just not? I'm completely impartial there. I don't care. No, I'd love to see Water straight out off the top of my head. What I'd love to see Water win the All Ireland hurling. Um, I think they're. I think they're great. I love their accent. I love their play. I'll never forget that Dan Shannon that time and John Milan and you know, I wanted to run some heroes and Seamus Prendergast and I, I you know, did great teams. Ken McGrath was always hard to handle and um Owen McGrath was mouthy, but no, Water is the team I'd love to see winning All Ireland uh, straight out. Uh, I, I think they're after being so unlucky at times and you know, one of the when I did finish I actually left him an awfully in a challenge in Tullamore. And after the game, Derek McGrath gave me a jersey with the whole team sign on it. And, you know, 
I, I still have it in my room. Such a lovely token to get. So uh, I, I, I like walk with people. Yeah, I know, and I and I think I have to say I think Derek is is one of the most genuine people I've had the look to encounter. I I I've adored any time I've had to speak to him, and I just think he's a brilliant guy. So it doesn't surprise me. The the last thing I'm going to leave you with, I'm going to give you four or five little bullets to you, right? I, I follow you on Twitter, and you're the gift that keeps giving, Brian. Um, so I said today because I was trying to remind myself of some of the tweets that you've put out over the last number of years okay and I said I'd dive in there and I'd pull out a few right and I'd throw them back at you because Twitter's not just for Christmas it's for life so Brian yeah. Gavin on the 14th of the 7th 2018 you tweeted there's only one place for a sweeper and that's on the council sentiment still <laughs> still the same Brian? Still the same. I, I was at, I think that weekend I was uh, after was saying with me in the minor game. Now we were winning well, after was winning well, and I took a photograph uh, of a Connor Park, and Westmead still had two sweepers. There were seven points down, and there was about eight minutes left, and there was a game then in the north, and I think it could have been down or something. I don't know what it was. And here's these sweepers, sweepers, sweepers. And as we talked about here in the conversation, we see what football can be like when you see two teams going to have like the under twenty championship this year. So. Yeah, sweepers are for the council. On the 26th of the 5th, 2016, <laughs> the judge in Katie's Taylor's fight must have a touch of myxomatosis. Hashtag robbed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that was the time we were all... Well, I was full sure. I wouldn't know much about boxing. Uh, I wouldn't have a clue, but I'd be looking at him and be saying to myself, Jesus, Katie Taylor definitely won that fight. And uh, I couldn't believe, you know, when it was announced that night. I can't remember who beat her actually but um, I couldn't believe she was that night and of course years ago at the back of my house uh, we'd have the big lawn and the big hollow field and there'd be full of rabbits and then you'd, every so often you'd see one staggering and hardly able to move and of course the rides were up in the air ballooned up and they had what they call mixing the process <laughs> <laughs> Right <laughs> This one here I don't know what time of the night this was posted at but on the 2nd of the 2nd, 2015, so it was the 2nd of February, we weren't at an All-Ireland semi-final. Obviously, this was something was happening on your TV, but you said, hopefully someday I might get to ref another All-Ireland. But if Katie Perry is the half-time entertainment, I'll be taking no half-time break. <laughs> Super Bowl, had to be. Uh, because, um, yeah, at that hour of the morning, our local pub, it's closed now, Baggett's at the back door, unfortunately, is gone, but... We, he used to have the draw for the Super Bowl and he'd have the buffalo wings. Well, of course, they were chicken and he put barbecue sauce on them and tried to tell us they were buffalo wings. And um, we were... That Katie Perry that night and the uniform she was in. Oh, Lord. Uh, I don't think I'll ever forget that night. <laughs> God bless your memory. On the 17th of January, 2014... Ryan Tuberty, and I have to say now, Ryan gets a good grilling off you. Ryan Tuberty knows as much about sport as Phil Hogan knows about water. <laughs> That's the thing, oh yeah, Phil was all in Joe Duffy for about weeks and weeks over these water charges and rates. And I don't know what has ever happened since. I think uh, the water, the well is run dry or whatever, but uh, oh, Ryan Tuberty was on one fight and I can't remember who, and the questions he was asking some of the top, I don't know, it could have been someone from the GA or it could have been Shane, I don't know who it was. I think it was DJ Carey. You'd think, yeah, you could, like, you'd think he'd have a little bit of research done or ask questions that had brought to a fella in your his career and different things. But anyway, look, obviously, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't for for Ryan. And, and I'm going to pr- push on a little bit on this one as well before I let you go off. On New Year's Eve 2013, <laughs> right, you said, in my opinion, yeah. 
Brian Cooper is a better jockey than Davy. That's a hard knock for Davy on yeah. New Year's Eve and all. You that was Davy's uh, having a cup of tea, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I see Davy like any sports star, anyone. I think he went through a barn enough spell that time. And he he wasn't riding with any confidence, and Young Cooper came that time. And actually, he did double in the into begging this evening, so I wasn't doing very wrong. Um, Cooper came and he was full of confidence. And then Cooper had a setback after getting a few injuries. And then Davy mm. re-energized themselves. And if you were to ask me that question now, the roles would be reversed. But at the time, yeah, I'd have to say it because Davy had lost his confidence. He nearly tell you that himself. I actually, I wouldn't say I'm friendly with Davy, but I got to know him in the last recent few years, and it's, it's such a nice fella. But um. I'd have to say I was right that time, but if it was today, it'd be the other way around, I'd be saying it. Yeah, no, no. And the, the last question I'll ask you before I let you go, Sports Personality of the Year, it was nailed on, done, certainty. Obviously, from the sector and the world I come from, there is only one Sports Personality of the Year. Kelly Harrington has done wonderful stuff at the Olympics. It's now seemingly a two-horse race. Who will win Sports Personality of the Year this year? Well, you see, everyone will jump on the bandwagon because it's the Olympics and different stuff and probably horse racing, I, while it has a huge following, probably hasn't enough. But I think there's no comparison what Rachel Blackmore done and Kelly Harrington. Um, I, I think the standard that Rachel Blackmore was at in Cheltenham was like for people to understand to get on the grade one horses and ride them from the back or from the front or wherever the, the you know the the skill and ability. And if you were looking at a race, you wouldn't say, well, that's Ruby Welsh or Barry Garrity or Rachel Blackmore. You wouldn't know. They're just the class and the style that lady has. Now, in my opinion and a, a lot of other people's opinion, there's only one sports personality of the year. And to go on then to win the Grand National over the biggest fences and over the longest distance. Now, absolutely brilliant achievement from Kevin Harrington as well. But I I definitely don't. I wouldn't compare them and there's only one winner for me and that's Rachel all day long. And obviously I, I don't have to tell you who I'd be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <won't>. yeah. <laughs> it, go, it goes without saying. Uh, Brian, on that note, thanks so much for, for, for taking the call this evening. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you. I, I, I wish you all the best with Clara this year in the championships and you know I'm sure you'll enjoy Sunday's All-Ireland Final and, and the very best of luck as well with your future on, on, on Midlands Radio commentating and, and everything else. But thank you so much for, for, for being so kind with your time this evening. You're very welcome, Eddie. It was, it was a treasure. That is, thanks a million again. That is, of course, Brian Gavin, former Offaly, or no, he's still an Offaly man, but former referee who was so good to give us so much time tonight on the Clash Act. And I look forward to chatting to you all again next week with another GEA legend. Hello, Martin here from Morrissey Motors Peugeot Kilkenny. We have the full range of environmentally friendly award-winning vehicles in petrol, diesel, hybrid and electric. Our 208, 3008 and 508 have all won Car of the Year. Our 5008 seven-seater has won SUV of the Year. And not forgetting Ireland's best-selling commercial, the award-winning Partner Van. That's five in a row, Martin. It is, Brian. That's impressive. Contact the lads in Morrissey Motors, Waterford Road, Kilkenny, today.